You know, it seems like every year on this day, I'll start off my day and I'll be on my way to work and I'll stop somewhere and get a cup of coffee. Maybe it's lunchtime and I'm going to run out to go grab a bite to eat. And inevitably, I always run into somebody that has this black stuff on their forehead. And I think, how embarrassing. They left their house without even washing their face this morning. And then I remember, it's Ash Wednesday. You would think as a pastor, I would have that day on my calendar, and I should know that. Uh, since I'm preaching a sermon on the night of Ash Wednesday, I ought to be prepared for that. But yet somehow it always happens. You know, Ash Wednesday is that traditional day in the church calendar that we begin the season of Lent. Now, this isn't the kind of lint that you pull out of your jeans' pockets when they come out of the laundry. This is the 40 days that are leading up to Easter. And we celebrate 40 days because it's a, a remembrance of the 40 days that Christ spent in the wilderness before he began his ministry. Now, if you actually go back and count the days on your calendar, you'll notice that it's actually more than 40 days between now and Easter Sunday. And the reason is, is that we don't count Sundays as part of the season of Lent. Lent is traditionally a season of fasting, and Sundays are supposed to be many Easter's, or feast days. And so you don't fast on a feast day, so therefore Sundays don't count during the season of Lent. So if you take out Sundays, we have 40 days between now and Easter Sunday. Lent is traditionally throughout the history of the church been a, a season that's meant for self-reflection. It's a time to look at our own lives, Examine our own hearts. It's a time of preparation. So that we are ready on that Easter Sunday to receive the hope that comes with hearing the words, He is risen. It was a time traditionally in the church of penance. For those who had become separated from the church, it was time then to come back into the church. For some, it was a time to prepare themselves to receive the sacrament of holy baptism there on Easter Sunday. But for all of us, we come together on this Ash Wednesday and in this season of Lent to remember our own mortality. We remember that even Jesus died on Good Friday and that one day we too will all live our time on earth and will pass on to life eternal. We celebrate that here tonight. We pause to remember that life doesn't go on forever. The time is finite, and that what we do with our days, it matters. It makes a difference. The season of Lent, I believe, is a, a time to stop and ask the question, what does it mean to live life well? How do we use the time that we have here on earth to live life well? I believe Paul, the Apostle Paul, understood that concept very clearly. He knew that time was finite, now maybe for different reasons than what you and I might understand. For Paul, he very much believed that Christ had been resurrected and would be coming back in his lifetime. It would be then that the day of judgment would happen and God would set up his reign here upon earth. Now, we look back throughout history and we know that that did not happen in Paul's lifetime. That we still have our hope of that day when that will happen. But Paul's very clearly understood time is not forever here on earth. That what we do with our days matters. It gave him this sense of urgency in his mission to spread the gospel. 
It gave him the sense of urgency that we've got to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible as fast as we possibly can. There was an urgency to his life and his ministry, and he understood how to live life well. We do remember our own mortality here tonight on Ash Wednesday. That's why when we come forward to receive the ashes, traditionally you might hear the pastor say the words from Genesis 3.19, from dust you came, and to dust you shall return. It's a remembrance. Time does not go on forever. And what we do with it matters. When Paul wrote his letter to the church here in Philippi, I think he was expressing that sentiment. When we read here at the, the end of verse 6, he talks about the work that's been begun before then will be brought to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Now what Paul is doing is he's drawing from the Old Testament. You would hear some of the prophets and others in the Old Testament refer to the day of the Lord. It was the day of Yahweh. There was an understanding that there would be a day of judgment where God would come, and that day was coming. For Paul, he calls it the day of Jesus Christ. But for him, it's a remembrance. The day is coming. The time is finite. And the work that God has begun amongst us will be complete there on the day of Jesus Christ. And so what we do in the meantime makes a difference. It matters for us. I think there's a couple of things that, that Paul would have written to the church in Philippi here to teach them about how to live life well that still apply to us today. First, I think in order to live life well, we have to live with a spirit of gratitude. Paul would begin almost every single one of his letters with a section of thanksgiving. With the exception of his letter to the Galatians, Every single letter that Paul wrote began with an entire section dedicated to giving thanks to the people that he was writing to. Maybe it was because of the work that they were doing for the gospel of Christ. Maybe it was because of the way that they had supported his ministry. He would give thanks to God for God's grace, for mercy, for the work of the Holy Spirit in our world. But Paul always took time to express gratitude. He understood that silent gratitude is of no use to anybody. We've got to take time to express our gratitude and then live out of the spirit of that gratitude. For us, we know that we have been given the gift of God's grace. And when we begin to experience that grace, we can't help but be grateful. We can't help but live with a sense of gratitude that God has forgiven us. During the season of Lent, we do come, and we remember that we are all broken, we are all in need of forgiveness, that we've all sinned. That's why we come here tonight. The other thing that you might hear a pastor say as you receive the ashes is the saying, repent and believe in the gospel. It's a recognition that because of God's grace, we have the opportunity to turn around, to go in a different direction, that we can choose not to sin anymore. Instead, we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We come in the season of Lent recognizing that we are all in need of God's grace. And as we receive the ashes tonight, we can't help but go forth into this world in a spirit of gratitude. 
knowing that grace is at work in our lives. Just recently, I got a chance to go down to El Paso, Texas with a, a couple members of our church, and we got to go and visit the Lydia Patterson Institute. If you haven't heard of Lydia Patterson before, it's a, it's a Methodist preparatory school there in El Paso, but about 85% of the, the students that they serve there actually come from across the border in Juarez, Mexico. These students come from, some of them, just incredible poverty, living in cardboard homes or cinder block homes. They may not have any electricity or running water in their homes. Some of these students are making an hour and a half to two hour journey every single day just to make it to school. Once they get there, then they'll work between an hour and two hours every day to earn the scholarship to continue going to school there. And yet, the success that the school has seen has been phenomenal. The lives that have been transformed because of the ministry that they're doing there has been unbelievable. That's why I'm so excited that here at St. Luke's Edmund, we're going to be starting a partnership with the Lydia Patterson Institute. That what they're doing is sharing God's love and bringing hope in this world. They are living out our mission, and that's a place that we're going to be in partnership with. That's why this summer we're going to be bringing two high school interns from Lydia Patterson up here to St. Luke's for the summer who are going to be staying with us and working with us to be able to provide them opportunities and, and an experience that they want to get otherwise. That's why at the end of July, we're going to be sending a mission team down there to be able to go and help provide maintenance and work that they need on the school that otherwise wouldn't happen. But one of the things that we've heard while we were there that I found so fascinating, we've been thinking about it ever since, they told us that of all of the students who enter into the freshman year of high school there at Lydia Patterson, 95% of those students will graduate. Of that 95%, 98% will go on to a college or university here in the U.S. Now that sounded pretty incredible to me, but I really didn't have any frame of reference for uh, any kind of comparison. How good is that exactly? So I did a little research. Here in Oklahoma, in 2014, across our state, the high school graduation rate was at 83%. In Oklahoma City, it was down in the 70s. Tulsa, down in the 60s. At Lydia Patterson, they graduated 95% of their students. It's unbelievable the ministry and the mission that is happening there. As I began thinking about this, I really wondered what makes the difference for these students. Why is it that they're seeing such high graduation rates? Now, it was clear to me that it wasn't because these students come from a, a better home situation than students in Oklahoma do. Many of them are coming out of great poverty. It wasn't because they had better technology there. It wasn't because they had better resources. It wasn't because they had more time on their hands to dedicate to their studies. Now, again, they're working two hours a day. They're traveling maybe up to four hours a day. To go to school and back home. They're doing chores and working to help their family keep going. So what was it that made a difference for these students? While we were there, we got a chance to, to eat breakfast and, and have lunch with some of the students there in the cafeteria. We got to visit with them and hear about their experience at Lydia Patterson. What makes this school special? One of the things that I came away with is that these students live with an amount of gratitude for the gift of the education that's been given to them. 
They've been given an opportunity, a ticket out of the cycle of poverty that they found themselves in. They've been given an opportunity to, to step out, to give their family a lift out of everything that they've experienced. They know that this education is the ticket for transformation in their community. It's because they're grateful for that. These students work incredibly hard to do what they're doing. When you understand that you've been given a gift, you can't help but be grateful. And it's living out of that spirit of gratitude that, that changes the entire way that you live. Your life develops a new meaning. You find that you're able to live life well. So we come here on Ash Wednesday, we do recognize that we've all sinned, that we're all in need of God's grace. It's when we come to remember that grace that falls afresh upon us every day, that we are grateful. It changes our lives to live out of a spirit of gratitude. Second, in order to live life well, we have to live with purpose. We have to have something that we're willing to fight for. Something that we're willing to go after. For Paul, he begins his letter here, and he identifies he and Timothy as the authors of this letter. And he starts off and he says that, that they are uh, servants of Christ Jesus. He wants it to be clear up front what their identity is and what their purpose is. The purpose for Paul and Timothy was to be a servant of Christ Jesus. He wanted everybody to know that. That whenever you begin to have a purpose for your life, it gives you direction. It gives you meaning. Throughout the letter to the Philippians, he would uh, often say things to them about discerning between things that matter and things that don't. Distinguishing between good teachings and bad teachings. I think ultimately what Paul was trying to say is, you've got to find your purpose in life. What is it that you're willing to fight for? What's worth spending your time on? Remove all the other things out of your life. How often in our lives do we get caught up in just the cycle of life? We get up in the morning and we eat breakfast and we get the kids off to school and we go to work and we get home at the end of the day and we make dinner and we get the kids ready for bed and then we go to sleep and then we wake up the next day and we start all over. Life is meant to be lived for so much more than that. We've been given an opportunity to live with purpose. To live life well. To live life for Christ. In the season of Lent, it seems like one of the, the questions that I always hear wherever I go, what are you giving up for Lent? I've already seen it today all over social media, people talking about what they're giving up for Lent. I've heard it in conversations around the office. What are you doing for Lent? What are you giving up? Maybe for some people, what are you going to add for, for your life at Lent? You know, Lent has been traditionally a, a season of fasting. Now, I think fasting has somewhat gone away in our culture. And I think one of the reasons for that is that we've kind of lost the meaning of what it's all about. I hear people talk about fasting as it's this opportunity to remember the suffering of Christ and to experience suffering in some way. I'm not really sure that that's what fasting is intended to be. I hear people talk about the, the, the health benefits of going through a fast. I'm going to give up soda, or I'm going to give up candy. Certainly that is a healthy decision to make, but 
That's not the reason we do it. John Wesley was the founder of Methodism, and he was very big on fasting. He would often talk to his Methodist preachers about the importance of fasting. In fact, so much so that he required all of his preachers to fast every Wednesday and Friday, every week throughout the year, not just at Lent, but every week. They would fast on Wednesdays because it was a, a remembrance of the day that Judas had agreed to betray Jesus. And then you would fast on Fridays in remembrance of Good Friday. But the reason for fasting was all about obedience. What is it that we're obeying? Wesley would remind his preachers that oftentimes we're more obedient to our stomachs than we are to God. That God should be what we're more obedient to than anything. He would say to them, how often do you go a day without praying? And how often do you go a day without eating? It's much easier to go through a day without praying than it is to go through a day without eating. His hope was that for he and his preachers that they could become more obedient to God than they were to their own stomachs. He would say things to them like, you can pray without fasting, but you can't fast without praying. That in this season of Lent, it's a time where we're able to reorient ourselves. That we're able to commit ourselves to being obedient to God's purpose for our lives. We fast and we give things up, not for the purpose of putting ourselves through suffering, but for the purpose of obedience. It's through our obedience that we find that purpose that God has intended for our lives. We find that thing that we're willing to fight for. That thing that gives our lives meaning so that we're not just going through the cycles day in and day out. As we come here tonight to receive the imposition of the ashes, we remember that time is finite, that what we do with our days matters. We remember that we have been shown grace, that God forgives our sins new every day. We remember that God has a purpose for us. And when we come tonight to receive the imposition of the ashes, as we go through the season of Lent, we remember that God calls us to live life well. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own side of prayers.